Hey everybody, this is Dan with Blurb, and I'm in, of all places today, San Jose, California, the center of the universe, and uh, I am really happy because I finally got to come down here and see a long-term friend of mine, somebody that I've known from L.A. since about 1996 or 97, uh, Michael Knapper is his name, and before we even jump in here, I was going to introduce you, but the problem is... I don't know how to introduce you because I know you as a contemporary fine art painter, but that's one thing that you do. So if just to give everybody a, a, in your terms who you are, who, who are you? Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll give you the quick resume going back to the 1970s. Okay. Uh, dropped out of high school, found myself in the library, spending a lot of time, came across a magazine that had... Um, a photo, an art magazine called a photo spread of an amazing performance that a German performance artist, Joseph Boyce, did <clears throat> uh, called I Like America and America Likes Me. He's a German artist. He was transported f from the airport where he landed in New York in an ambulance to his gallery in uh, Soho at that time. And he spent a week uh, caged in that gallery with a coyote and a bunch of hay and had the Wall Street Journal delivered every day to him. And that was the only only distractions he had. I saw that and I thought, wow, there's a, a whole other world out there besides Covina where I grew up. So that led me to eventually get into performance art. Uh, it was a short-lived little career, but I did God, some I had no performances. Idea. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, probably the most renowned <laughs> one was um, I had myself boxed in this refrigerator box, sealed up, and my friend Forrest uh, dropped me off on the steps of the Santa Barbara Museum of Art as a delivery. And uh, then I—they uh, didn't take me inside. They didn't know what to do with me because I started through flaps in the box. I started filming. People who were coming up, and the box was sensible, all kinds of sayings and slogans and everything. And people were putting notes inside the box to me. I was sending notes outside the box. And it was this real fun uh, thing. I mean, it, it, came out of a, it came out of a philosophy by an artist named Klaus Oldenburg who said art should do something other than sit on its ass in a museum. Um, Love that. And at that time, that's kind of where I was at, you know. And then at that time, concurrently, I was starting to keep the diaries. They started off small, like little five-by-seven journals. And as time went on, I found myself pasting more and more labels and letters and scraps into them. And they started getting bigger and bigger and bigger in size and volume. And eventually got to a point where I thought, well, I better start maybe doing some drawings because people would love to see them, but the galleries didn't know what to do with them in terms of um, exhibiting them and also selling them, you know. So you went from performance art to journals to drawings. To drawings and then to paintings. And I'm still a painter. And uh, about five years ago, I got the photography bug. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let me explain something. That is a very polite way of of saying that. We all know there's a little camera fetish problem happening here. I yeah. just saw the closet upstairs, but yeah. go ahead. <laughs> so I uh, I had an old Nikromat that had been 
buried in a closet for years. And I, I dragged it out specifically to shoot detailed close-up shots uh, of certain parts of the paintings that I thought were working. And I thought, I'm going to just shoot this little detail, and then I'll work a new painting from that. Well, that was just, you know, that was just scratching the scab off of a whole other <laughs> wound that opened up and and is, is still festering to this day. But uh, basically, I started collecting old cameras, uh, started finding out ways to modify them. Um, and this was all film, because I, I really like the fact that as a painter, I really value the process and the hands-on quality, the random aspect, the fragility of paint and everything like that. And digital didn't have that for me. Digital was pretty safely and securely built so that you couldn't really take a horrible picture. Consequently, you couldn't take a real exceptional picture, from, in my mind. So uh, I love film and I love these old cameras and the, some of the lenses had an interesting quality and if you took the lens out and put a different lens in there, it was, you know, it was and, all this. And you, because of your, I think this had in great part to the fact that you had come from working with paints, mm. oils and acrylics and gessos and all these different things, uh, one of the things that I noticed right away was not only the fascination with the old cameras, but also the idea of processing. And yeah. you tested and experimented with everything. Yeah. St stand development and all the different mixtures and, and chemistries. So if I, to, to go back a little bit, if I, you and I had met in passing on the street, and it was a very quick meeting, and I said, oh, what do you do? Would you say I'm a painter, or would you say I'm a photographer, or would you say I'm an artist? Well, and does it matter? And my point at this, which is a completely loaded question, mm -hmm. having you do both photography and, and, and painting, is there a status associated with saying I'm a painter over I'm a photographer, especially in the age of the, in an era when everybody has a camera in their hand? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, and when people have asked me that, I say I basically identify myself as a painter okay. and um but I tell them if they want to know more about the work that I do, I tell them that I've also done a body of work with uh, film cameras. And <clears throat> a lot of people think, oh, you make films? It's like, no, not, not filmmaking, but, you know, the old film. Stills with film. Uh, yeah. yeah. And um, I think, you know, I, th I, th I think that, well, I don't know. What was the question about... Well, it's is there is there a status difference between associating yourself with being a painter as there is with being a photographer? Because for me, not being a painter, I'm not an artist. Mm -hmm. I've been a photographer forever. There's, you know, obviously a lot of people in the photography world want to make a jump to be associated in the art world because the art world still seems to be at a different level, right. a different status, a different monetary value than the photography world. There are exceptions, of course. And you have the Gurskis of the world that have really made that jump that are, you know, the prince, mm. princes of the world and the Crudsons of the world that are make, have made that jump. Yeah. But for a lot of people, I noticed towards the end of my photo career when I said, oh, I'm a photographer, there was, there was very little relevance given to that because it was like, well, who isn't a photographer yeah. today? I think, yeah, I think, I, think, I think there is a little bit of that these days. You know, a lot of people are getting into photography that, you know, all it takes is a digital camera. I mean, and, you know, you can shoot a lot of different things and it looks pretty decent. Um, but, you know, that's, that's why I wanted to work with film because I didn't know what I was doing. And, and I think that that 
it sounds kind of crazy, but I think when you go into an area where you don't know what you're doing, that's where you can be surprised and find some real great moments. You know, you, I, I wasted a lot of money on film and developer and everything like that, teaching myself that stuff. But that's just, I just kind of chalked it up as the price to pay for that one good image that comes out of five rolls of film. You know? Well, let's, let's talk about that. Because in essence, what you're talking about is failure. Mm. It's like failing. And so one of the yeah. guys that we talked about earlier today was Frank Ockenfels. And Frank is somebody that we both like. And he talks a lot about failure and saying, like, this is just the, the basic foundation of what we're doing is you, yeah. you have to be afraid. And I, I think um, the, the next question I have is really about art seems like uh, it's such a huge part of what you do on a daily basis. What is the, the process? What's the workflow for you? Do you work every day on, on art or is it something that you have to sort of save up your mindset to get towards? I try to work every day. Um, <clears throat> I try to do some drawing. Lately I've been doing a lot of painting. Uh, some days it's just spent getting the materials and panels and paper prepped and primed and ready to for some paint. Um, other times it's uh, writing some ideas and stuff like that. Because you've you know. also written a mm -hmm. novel. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's scary. I mean, you're like... <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, I did. I wrote it very casually. Oh, yeah, I wrote a novel too. I mean, on one hand, you could say, oh gosh, you know, it's like jack of all trades. But and the other, you can say master of none. And it's like, I part of part of a thing that I'm constantly struggling with is, you know, so many things fascinate me out there. So many, I, I have a great curiosity, like you do, and and and, and we both value that. At the same time. Uh, you know, there's only a, a limited amount of time, and sometimes I feel like, mm, maybe you should just really focus on, you know, doing this one thing for now. And, and I, I've gotten better. I mean, that's what I've been doing lately with the painting. I haven't taken a picture, a, a picture towards an idea in probably close to a year. I mean, I still take you my camera the, out and stuff like that. You locked the cameras away, too. Yeah. They're in the closet, out of sight, out of yeah. mind. Yeah, because I really want to focus on the paintings right now, you know, and I have a couple things coming up where I need to produce some paintings for and stuff like that. And I, at one point, when I came back to the paintings after uh, about eight months off from working on the photographs, coming back to the paintings, I thought, mm, this is not going to be a big problem switching back. But it was, it was more of a problem. Why? In a, well, in a good way, because I started making the paintings, and I found myself making these kind of unconscious same gestures. I was making the same mark that I had made a couple years ago that I, was, that I had gotten out of the habit of instinctively making, because I wasn't happy with them. I didn't want to keep making the same mark. But when I came back from the photographs, I found myself making that same mark again. And it took me a while, and it took me actually taking a class uh, to get out of that. I, you, you took a drawing class, right? Well, I took a painting class. Oh, wow. Um, I had met this painter who was also a professor in painting at this uh, art opening. And uh, he vaguely knew my work. I didn't know his work. He showed me his work on an iPhone or iPad at that time. Very realistic, very traditional, but I, I, it was well done. We had a great conversation about Vermeer and Vermeer's 
strategies and techniques and geometry and everything like that. I thought this guy's really interesting. And then he mentioned that he was getting ready to start a, teaching a class at this uh, Santa Monica College. And I was right, right on the cusp of like pulling my hair out because I was trying to get back into painting. And I didn't know what to do and I'd set them aside for a week. And I thought, I want to take your class. And he looked at me like, it's a beginning oil painting class. And I said, that's exactly what I need. Uh, he said, we, we're going to be working with one color and white and painting an egg for the first week or two. I was like, that's exactly what I need. Wow. I, and, and it was the best thing for me. I mean, I was sitting in a class and everybody was half my age. And, you know, so, and, and some, some really great drafts people in there really knew what they were doing. But it was the best thing for me because I'd never had a formal oh. art school training. Was it uncomfortable? Um, no, I just, I kind of went in just with a real beginner's attitude. Um, and, you know, it was, I just tried to absorb, like, okay, don't go in there thinking, yeah, I know what this is and what that is. Just go in there and see what you need. And, and it, was, it was fantastic. I, I would do it once a year. Uh, particularly with him. He's a, he's a very interesting guy. He's a very good painter. And he introduced me to some artists that uh, I probably would have passed over because they were more realist artists, but that I found uh, one of them is my favorite. Uh, Antonio Lopez Garcia. He's a Spanish painter who lives in Madrid. He's got to be 80 years now. Just amazing work. Completely, almost photorealistic, but even richer. And We're going to get back to these people in a second. Okay, yeah. My, the next question I had is, what is your greatest? What was your greatest success in your in your opinion? Was it a show? Was it a particular piece? Was it a feeling that you had? What What is it in terms of your art, quote unquote, career? Well, hmm. Is there any one thing that you think, wow, that was that felt wonderful? Because I've been to a bunch of your shows over the years. Yeah, I just, I... Or does that, does it, obviously it doesn't creep into your mind a whole... A no, whole I mean, there's certain pieces that I... A lot of times I'll sell work and Donna, my wife, will say, oh, I'm going to really miss that one. And I don't have that attachment to paintings usually. But there are four or five pieces that that have sold over the years and gone off into somebody else's life and I think oh I, I wish I had that back it was a really nice piece you know I should have kept that but uh no I think so I the, think so the process for you is really yeah for me as a photographer I wanted to be in the field I wanted to meet the people photograph the people I wanted the good the bad the ugly I wanted the weather it was all almost a hundred percent about being out there what happened after? I love to, like you, I make journals, I make books all the time. Mm. I love to package it up for myself and then publish it in some way, shape, or form. But everything beyond that was inconsequential to me. I just did not care whether it was the newspaper world or the magazine world or commercial world. I didn't care. And so, you know, I'm curious that how much of the part of this is the process and experience of making it compared to what you have to do as an artist subsequently. Yeah. Oh, process is a huge part. You know, it's it's a really big part for me. In fact, you know, some sometimes I make work that is just nothing but about the process. And you know, there's other artists who've done that, and um, I I think that that's 
a good 85% of the work. And then there's a reference or suggestion that it goes beyond that. Because I think sometimes you can get a little too involved in the process and it becomes this kind of, <clears throat> you know. Yeah, you're the weird guy who smells like paint. Self-evaluating, self-referring kind of thing back there. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you consistently read? What publications? I see behind me is Art in America. Well, you know, I like uh, Art in America. Sometimes I'll read Art Forum. It gets a little too wordy and academic. But there, there are some people who write for it occasionally that are really interesting. I really like The New Yorker. Uh, the New York Times on Sunday. Um, recently... What about like four-wheel drive, off-road magazine? Is yeah, that, is that I, I've 10? gone through those, you know, my NASCAR phase. Okay. <laughs> there is actually a magazine. I can't open the drawer right now. I think it's called The Baffler. Have you seen that? No. I think that's what it's called. A friend of mine gave me some old copies, and it's from the McSweeney thing in San Francisco. <clears throat> and it's really interesting. They have some really good writers, and it covers topics all across the board, writing, art, music, and stuff like that. Um, influences. Influences. Let's go back. Obviously, Buies was the first first guy. Joseph Boyce. He's a very interesting German Boys, artist. Boyce. That was my. Boyce, that yeah. was my public school. No, it's a, it's a very. It's a, it's a tough one. Uh, yeah, you know, I would say uh, Joseph Boyce, Paul Clay, another German painter. I've always sort of gravitated to German artists, Caspar uh, David Friedrich from the Romantic era back in the 1700s. Um, and let's get something else out on the table. We okay. both had somewhat of a German World Cup team fetish as well. Yeah, I, although I was really rooting for Argentina because of my dear friends in, in Los Angeles who are Argentina. But yeah, yeah the Germans, they're, they're surgeons. They went on the field with scalpels and they took care of business. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to influence. <clears throat> what about photo influence? Photo influence, I think the first one was uh, Robert Frank. Someone put uh, Robert Frank's The Americans, my friend Forrest, put that in front of me along with the same week that I saw his book on Diane Arbus. And uh, I just thought, wow, these are, you know, I I hadn't paid attention to photography until then. I had, photography was everywhere. My parents had snapshots and photo albums and I grew up with that and and as I left home, I took a camera with me to take snapshots, and they got put in the diary or the drawer. But when I saw Robert Frank's The Americans and Diane Arbus's book, it hit a darker chord in me about how um, how I couldn't articulate, but that I felt the same way about humanity in America. That it wasn't all, you know... White picket fence. And, yeah, yeah. You know, um, that he was he was taking pictures of stuff that people would say, no, don't, th- don't take that picture, or, you know. And, and it was interesting. And it went from there. Joel Peter Witkin, I liked, you know. Another New Mexico guy. Yeah, I liked how he was, he was bringing a real painterly quality to the photograph. Um, and Mary Ellen Mark, she was great. Uh, you know, her Indian... Uh, series, Indian Circus series was really interesting. Annie Leibovitz, early work where she was touring with the Stones. Yeah, I love that. And then things just got too slick and okay. I, yeah, it's commercial photography. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know I, she, it, she sometimes 
she, I think she deserves a lot of respect because of yeah. what she's done as a as a career. But I yeah. I, I like the early stuff. Yeah. I think it was a little more innocent. I think it was a little more pure. Obviously, yeah. you commercially get more success, whatever. But you know, I took a look the other day at her last book that she put out, which was about her relationship with Sontag and yeah, the dying. Yeah. Of that. And it was like, okay, yeah, this is stuff that's it's from good. the heart again. Yeah, you know. Love and that book. It was amazing, you know. Um, well, I think we need to draw this to a close. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to lobby right now because uh, I can uh, always come. Now that I'm in San Francisco all the time at Blurb, I can come to San Jose a lot more. I think we got to continue this dialogue. Yeah. On a regular basis, or I maybe even that. get you in on a podcast. I would love. Or that. even a webinar or a webby podcast of some sort. Maybe we see you in person. I, I'm always willing to talk. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, and uh, good luck with everything in your multidisciplinary world. Thank you, Dan.